undisputed. Welcome to the Free Game Producer Podcast. I'm Andre with the homeboy Willpower. What's up, man? What's good, homie? What it do? Oh, it's a blessing to be here. Yeah, up man. Up here in, uh, you want to let me know where we at? Yeah, yeah. man. We, we deep. We up in uh, Silent Sound <laughs> Silent Studio. Silent Sound Studios. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, Shout we doing... Shout out to TK and the fam here. Yeah, man. Uh, it's a special day, man. We in here working on uh, Laura Reed's project right now. And uh, we're just trying to wrap it up. Sounding you know? dope, too. Yeah, man. We got like a couple more days left. And uh, once nice. we finish... We're going to start packaging it up and getting ready to hit the streets with it. Nice. I'm excited to to, to hear, you know, yeah, man. what else y'all been doing. Well, yeah, man. We, uh, we, you know, we've been working on it for about seven months. We've been out in uh, Nashville. Okay. Just kind of doing our thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Not really taking it too serious, but still not playing with it. Okay. You know what I mean? And um, More organic kind of thing? Yeah, it's been real organic. You know, like, uh, it hasn't been like seven months straight, but like okay. over seven months. Right Over that period of time We just kind of been grinding And making sure it's like Coming out to be What we wanted it to be Nice But uh, we're really excited about it man And uh, you know Today Just cause I'm at the studio working Doesn't mean we gotta We can let up on this podcast We gotta keep yeah. it going So I appreciate you coming out To, to the studio man and Jumping yeah. in with me I love coming to Silent Sound man Yeah man so, This place is awesome man Yeah anytime I can come down here man It's all, it's all good Yeah know? If they could only see the suite This shit is sick <laughs> Nice man. <laughs> All right, man. So what's good today, man? What we doing? You know, man. Uh, we got the dope interview coming up with uh, arguably probably our biggest guest so far. Arguably, mm-hmm. you know, dope discography, Mr. Uh, Jim Johnson. Yeah, man. Jim Johnson, uh, man, a real good friend of mine, man, a mentor, somebody that I've been uh, dealing with since uh, like '07. I think I met him yeah. in '07. And it's crazy because his his uh, singles, the number one hit discography, is bigger than most. Producers complete discography, <laughs> yeah, which is crazy, man. <laughs> which is nuts, man. But um, and he was in the business during that the heyday, you know. what I'm saying so he's been getting he's been getting money for a long. Yeah, time. Yeah, well, his story's <laughs> interesting too, man. You know, from 18, 19 years old, starting a record label, you know, right down in Florida. It's kind of blew my mind, right? You know, his history, but that's gonna be gonna be dope, man. But there's a couple things in the news, man, um, that I, I think is important, man. Um. Apple Music is continuing to kind of change the game a little bit, and it's interesting because you said something a while ago. You you were talking about how Spotify ain't gonna be around, and I kind of was looking at you like you were kind of crazy. But I think that you might be on to something, man. Yeah, man. I think Apple's trying to eliminate those guys. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and and you know you know that it's gonna probably be that way because if there's anybody who already understands the formula of like how to pay people for streaming and things like that it would be apple first and they're probably the only company uh you know with the longevity and the ability to actually withstand well the thing about it is what the analysts are saying they're saying that apple was so big Mm -hmm. they make so much money they don't care about losing money on the music because they want to sell the devices that's right that's exactly what it is and that's if you come in the game with that mindset right Spotify though Cause see Spotify I was doing some research I didn't know this But Spotify Never has made money At least in the United States In a US business Wow They haven't made money yet So they just constantly Throw money out And they pay Based off a percentage Of their income mm. Not the number of streams Right so, so when they come up With these figures Like oh A quarter of a cent per stream That's just the average Based on what they take in Through the right. ad revenue And also through The uh Subscription services Which is crazy But Apple doesn't have a free tier But what Apple is proposing They're trying to make Stream payments Similar to mechanical royalties Right You know like you get Nine cents per Whatever album Right 
they're trying to pay 9.1 cents per 100 streams. And that's going to come out to a whole lot more than what Spotify's paying on average. So it, in effect, wiped them out. Yeah, it's going to wipe them out. But I knew, I, I personally felt like this was going to happen just because, <clears throat> you know, it, it, the first wave of any type of change in business mm-hmm. is usually the guinea pig phase. So yeah. you're either going to get the people who are kind of like ripping people off and winning who are going to come and go, or you're going to get the kind of company that... Uh, you know, was built to kind of withstand it, but at the same time, they, they won't be able to due to the lawsuits and the types of things that are going to take place once they do fix the law, unless they fix it in a way to where things prior to the judgments or whatever, uh, you know, um, can't be collected right. on. But I don't really see how that's possible because one thing about it is, one thing about the law has been they do protect the rights of writers and, and owners of copyrights and things of that nature because uh-huh. it's a real thing yeah and so you know there's no way you're gonna tell a person that just because we didn't know no better you know what i'm saying we don't have to pay you so a lot of people yeah. have to get that back pay going which is gonna be really strange oh man yeah. i don't know how they're gonna pull that off so well, the bigger question for me is like um if you're an independent streaming company how can you survive man because right. apple music obviously doesn't have any problem not really making money off, off of it as right. long as they're apple and they can sell you your iphone your, your macbook and right. that whole deal so yeah. how can you survive as an independent company right I mean, you're gonna have to right when that's your only source of income or that's your I, only uh, yeah. you know, business model yeah and i think you're, you're gonna see because sony music for example sony music i read an article they're making three million dollars a day off streaming like they're making a boatload of money uh, off, right. of, off of streaming and, and Warner Music reported earlier this year that they make most of their money off streaming so you see a lot of the majors are like getting bread so right. it's like but Spotify ain't making money well you know um, so is Sony Music like connected to like Sony oh yeah uh, okay so, so, it, so it's all the same thing like these major corporations of course yeah are not even stressing it in conglomerate Time Warner <laughs> you got Time Warner Sony and Universal that is incredible you know so well, yeah man i mean you know that's the name of the game bro like i hope they really work it out i, I know they're going to work it out i know that there are going to be laws put in place to justify paint payment to writers and you know and and even if it doesn't even if it doesn't do anything else it's going to at least explain somebody's going to have to create some form of transparency about the type of pain that's going on now you know what i mean because perhaps there is a legitimate pay scale for a stream but we they have yet to be able to like uh justify it or um what's the word uh where something's like put in place as it to be the law for it right you know well, that's I mean? the thing that they put forth a proposal and i'm just explaining in layman's terms it's because it's real complicated but they went before uh the, the government mm-hmm. and said this is what it should be and if the government approves it then everybody got to pay it according uh, to that yeah that's so right. spotify would have to pay 9.1 cents 400 streams of whatever you know on the song album I'm not sure how the details break out but that could be significant for artists getting paid though that's a yeah. far cry from from uh, those little checks from you know a third of a cent per yeah. stream nah, yeah. so, nah, it'll be a big difference and hopefully some people it's, it's almost one cent a stream almost I believe if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. no no that's almost uh, I'm drawing a, a brain fart but not once it's a stream, but because I'd be a, I'd be a dollar, um, but it's better than a quarter of a cent though. 
if I'm mistaken. Right. But anyway, but the, the point the point of the matter is though, Apple's really trying to. But it may be good for artists though. Right. You know because it, it, it'll pay more. But because I read a lot of articles, some people think Apple is the devil for trying to like get rid of Spotify and. You know, I don't, I don't think so. I'd be glad when they get it all into one system, man. You know, like I said that too. That was something else I said. You now, say that we can look at it like it's uh, them putting people out of business, but in my, the way I see it is, they're just being that one company to buy up all of the, uh, you know, to create one company. Because I yeah. said that I was like, somebody's gonna be smart enough to say, well, why should I have to pay? $30 here $20 here $10 here a right. month just to get all the music there's gonna be some outside company I, I wasn't sure that it was gonna be Apple but why not I mean if there's anybody can do it it's them yeah man look I, I would love to be Jimmy Iovine uh, you know in that sense right now like, to just be a part of that that music part of this cause yeah and Iovine and Dre you know those guys may be seen as heroes if yeah. they end up pulling something off to get artists paid a little better, more right. better yeah fairly bad English but a little more really better yeah. Well, yeah man let's uh you know uh that's interesting man what else is going on is there anything else we're missing uh, I mean obviously uh Nielsen did his uh mid-year report in terms of uh uh record sale numbers and it's not looking good yeah. <laughs> you know record sales are the lowest has been something like 91 or something like that like something yeah. crazy but but people are listening more than ever. I just saw an article that was uh, not an article, a video that was really interesting on uh, Vlad or Vlad. I don't know how to say it. Vlad TV. Vlad TV, man. I don't uh, like Vlad TV. I'm gonna go ahead and say that he yeah. instigated too much. I'm gonna go ahead and put that out there. Hey, that's that's not my fight. But uh, I just wanted to put that out. I, I wanted the chance to say that you instigate too much to start too much beef. We need unity. Yeah. So. Well, he was talking to Killer Mike on. Uh, uh, on one of his episodes, man, and what was really dope about it was they asked the question to Killer Mike uh, about uh, how come they keep giving their music away, you know, because uh, all the uh, Run the Jewels albums have been free. Uh, hmm, I which, know which, by the way, I did get a placement on this new one that's coming out. Uh, Travis Barker and I did a record that's coming out on the new Run the Jewels, but that uh, shameless plug. But, uh, but um, what he was basically saying was, you know, why? not give it away for free he was just on you know he got into the whole concept of you know why are, are people acting like they're going to sell a million records so it's kind of pointless it's like he wants he he they saw it as them making sure that they get it to the people and if the people like it then they'll provide other ways to make income off of the records which i feel like is we always have this conversation <clears throat> and I, I think that's really, really, really dope for the artist. But it really, really sucks for the songwriters and producers. Because, well, yeah. you know, there's no way to chase down how many shows you're going to get off of those songs. There's no way to chase down how many shirts you're going to sell off of that merch. You know what I'm saying? So it's like part of me like totally gets it. But part of me is just kind of like, okay, so did... You know, I wonder if since they're giving away music, are they still paying producers? Are they still paying writers? That's the, yeah, that's a, well, they would have to, I would think so. But the residual part, though. To, though yeah. so that doesn't mean it happens because we're still, we still in hip hop here. So. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? 
Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. And I think that's where, like, the law comes in, you know, where the government has to govern this kind of thing. I think we're going to keep on moving toward this. And I, I like this union idea, man. You know, like, yeah. when you think about it as a, as a, if you were just a bass player and you went and you showed up to a session and you wrote and you played on a song, the union would protect you in a way to make sure you at least meet and get paid a standard for being involved. Right which I think that's going to end up being the case. Now, it's another thing that I'm calling ahead of time. So when it happens, you just make sure everybody knows I said it first. Mm -hmm. There's going to be some type of union for that type of shit, eventually. Even if I got to go out here. Just get ready to say, man, (laughs) maybe you should be the one to do it, man. man. We may, man. You know, uh, Like it's not enough on the willpower plate right now. (laughs) It's not, man. It's more shit on the plate than I can take, bro. But uh, speaking of that, man, let's... Let's just get right to the show, man, because it's, okay. really, it's a really intelligent show, man. And, yeah. Uh, in fact, th- that we talk about these exact things, you know what I'm saying, about the rights of the record producer and, like, yeah. where, where they stand in these situations when money is not being uh, put on the table to do the work anymore. And, uh, you know, diversifying uh, a producer's business is pretty... Uh, becoming a pretty standard conversation that we're having with these producers nowadays. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, we're gonna we're gonna take a beat break, and when we come back, uh, yeah, you look like you pulled up something. No, you got something did, cooking? Cause you know how it is, man. <laughs> when we have a guest, I want to make sure I don't want to take it for granted that these people know that they got yeah. a heavy hitter coming up. Yeah, you Jim got Johnson, it. man, yeah. he's produced. I'm gonna go name some name of the songs. Name them. Come on, Trick Daddy, let's go. Mm. Big hit record, man. Um, uh, Pretty Ricky, Your Body. Grind with me, Pretty Ricky. I didn't even know you did that one. Yeah. Jamie Foxx, Unpredictable. Unpredictable was jamming too, bro. That's when I first got put on. L- Lil Wayne Burman, Leather So Soft. And then Lollipop. Come on, Lollipop. Now. Lollipop was... That, that was one of the biggest records in, I think, hip-hop history, <laughs> if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, nah, you killed that one. Um, Whatever You Like, T.I. Yeah. Soulja Boy, Kiss Me Through the Phone. Yeah. Uh, Beyonce, Sweet Dreams. Usher, There Goes My Baby. Nelly, Just a Dream. Right. And then, and then Eminem space bomb. From all of that, he also was responsible for finding Bob. Yeah, you know he mm-hmm. was the one that cultivated that entire deal yeah. and made it possible for Bob to yeah. move up into the Grand Hustle and Atlantic yeah. business. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, he's still probably is still affiliated to Rebel Rock, which is Jim Johnson's actual company. So mm-hmm. if you ever seen the logos Rebel Rock or heard the name, yeah. that's who's behind that particular brand. Um, also, uh, with the Pretty Ricky group, he'll get into this as well too. Like yeah. he found Pretty Ricky. That was his, that was his actual um, solo introduction into the business. You know, so like you know how we're always talking about how producers need to find an artist, yeah, cultivate it, and yeah. go in the door with it, as opposed to being those guys that are like trying to make someone's album without yeah. the proper connects or the proper. Right. Like Jim Johnson is a prime example of where to start with that. So he developed Pretty Ricky. Uh, him and I, I want to say he probably had a partner at the time. I don't know the, the actual story, but I do know that that was his group. You know, yeah. and so um, that went on to become really big. 
which just opened up a whole bunch of other doors so yeah so if there's anybody you want to hear to get free game about production about business all across the board he even gets into how he engineered as well yeah it's crazy this is, this is, a, one this of our, is really dope yeah. a better interview so yeah man i said let's run it let's run it so drop that uh, beat with Welcome back to the Free Game Producer Podcast of Willpower. We have a very, very special guest on the line. Yes, sir. Probably our most accomplished producer so far that we've interviewed. Uh, Jim Johnson, he's produced for just about everybody you could think of. Multiple platinum records, Grammy Awards, you name it. It's definitely an honor and a privilege. So we welcome uh, Jim Johnson. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. Thanks. I appreciate all that kind words there. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an honor and a privilege. Um, and researching you uh, is one thing when you have a producer and you know all their work and then you research and find out they did even more records that you even knew about yeah pretty dope so um props to you for that but um you're from uh, miami is that correct yeah i'm actually from south florida broward county uh worked in miami for a lot of years were you influenced by the miami bass scene uh in the, in the 80s with uh you know magic mike luke uh ghetto style djs uh, that was that influence on you of course that was, that was like all I knew for years was the 808 Miami bass music yeah yeah. I toured with Luke and two live crew at a couple shows yeah. and uh, a lot of those old school artists back then Uncle Al Danny D DJ Laz even back then a lot of, a lot of Magic Mike Oh yeah, that's the real. That's the real base. That's the real 808 times, man. Yeah, we read that. Was it Cut It Up, Def Records? Was that your record label you started when, uh, as a teenager? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, a group of us: uh, Aaron Goni and Chuck D, myself, Willie Andrews, John, John Ski, and several of us had an idea to put out our own records. And there was this gentleman named Bob Smith who owned a satellite dish company before. Way before DirecTV. Remember when the satellite dishes were the size of your house? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was, uh, he was a guy that came in and invested, and he had the, you know, the wherewithal of all the knowledge of the music business he kind of taught us. And so we started a label, and we used to just print up vinyl, you know, 12-inch records. Every time we did a record in the studio, it was just like now how we can upload it. We used to just save our bread and go to the go to the local pressing plant, Miami Tape, or Alpha Records and press up, you know, 500 pieces of vinyl. That was the, the thing to do then. Dope. Is it true that you all sold over 40,000 copies of, uh, of uh, what, Cut It Up, Cut It Up Def? Yeah, actually, the album, Cut It Up Def Miami Bass Jam, sold over 300,000 copies. Wow. The singles were 
we sold like thirty thousand a one or forty thousand and we did we did all right. We did some good numbers for independent sales. I don't exactly know the numbers, but I know they were pretty good. That's crazy, man. That's dope, man. Well, you know, like I know you pretty well, man, and so I know like in your, your history of the music business has been crazy, man. Like you've seen a lot of ups and downs. You've seen uh, moments where like you were killing it, and then you've had moments where it quiets down. Like as a record producer, like what do you do, you know, to continue to kind of navigate through the business, you know, when when things are good and bad. Well, the first thing you do as a producer when things are slow is you don't go racing. <laughs> yeah, don't start yeah, racing car but, uh, companies, right? <laughs> don't start racing cars because that shit costs too much money. <laughs> but uh, no, just you know, honestly, the, the 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 ups and downs come from a lot of places, right? So you're the same type of producer as I am, right? Well, we yeah. like to develop artists and young producers and other right. people that we invest our time in. And you have artists like Bob or artists like Leroy Sanchez or different people that you devote a lot of your time to because we don't always want to be just the guys that produce for everyone. You know, kind of like the the industry hooker. You know what I'm saying? Where I don't, you know, I love hookers, but I don't love hookers like that. <laughs> but anyway, um, but you you understand what I'm saying? Where we love working with some of the biggest artists, but it's not. There's nothing better than getting behind a young artist or a new artist and putting your stamp on it and it actually works out and that actually works in your benefit also in the business so I'm really for building the next Beyonce the next Usher the next you know Outkast the next Beastie Boys I'm into like seeing what the future is and I love working with the big artists and, and, and the artists that are established I mean that's a blessing but in times where you think that an artist is dormant or a producer's dormant, he, he might be working on something crazy, right, you know? Right. And over the years, I've been working with a young man named Leroy Sanchez who has a really, really big chance of being one of those guys. And it takes time. I mean, it, you know what it is, Will. It takes a couple of years. Look, Yellow Wolf, you worked with him early on and right. as well as I did. And, and, and he's just really starting to bubble. He's never had a top 10 uh, record. Right, you know what I mean? Right, so, right. Look at all the years someone like him puts in, and then when it pops like a pit bull, it, it's on fire as long as the artists can carry themselves. And that's the payday I think we look for. So when, when those times come when it's slow, as long as you're putting that time in, you know, I know I answered a question with a long answer, but when you're putting that time in, you know what I'm saying, it, it, it really pays off. And, and just like going to college and school, you spend all that time and that money, but then you get that nice check later. Right. That's kind of what we do as producers who develop and work with young artists and different artists. Right. Hey, you don't get me wrong. Like I said, I love the big checks and the big artists, but it, it doesn't come close to when it's your own artist that you're working with. So do you think that, that that's the mark of a great producer being able to actually develop an artist like a B.O.B. or something? Yeah, or I, def Wolf? Yeah, I, def I definitely think so because like a lot of people don't realize that uh, Jim... Um, found uh, Pretty Ricky which was also a group of his and he took it from an infant stage and nice. then he blew it up and then it you know it did so well and then of course we all know uh, your involvement with B.O.B. and for those that don't uh, Jim Johnson was a part of finding B.O.B. And, and setting up his situation with um, like Grand Hustle and Atlantic and all of those different things like those those deals were uh, through his company Rebel, Rebel Rock 
so um i i definitely agree with you man i think that that is the wave that most uh record producers should be trying to be on and that's you know becoming a better developer and, and, and try to find something that no one else has and make it your own you know yeah, yeah and hey i'll tell you what the the model the business model is ever changing and today it seems more like you know the creative folks have an upper hand and it, you know being with the major labels is cool but if you have a partnership with an artist you're the you're the guys creating music with the artist that's a business you know you 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 become not only a producer but you're kind of helping with management and, mm -hmm. and all the other things that bring an ancillary uh uh money you know which right. they're touring their merchandise their music you're you're not just a producer these days you're accompanied by people like my partners greg uh franco or ian prairie or different people that i surround myself with they they contribute so much for what they do so we now we're not just a label, we're like a bona fide production house, development house, right. management company, marketing company. We do a little bit of everything. And that is kind of the future producer. You find an artist, you work with them on all levels, from social media to websites to, to touring to music, you know? Right. And for these young producers coming up, hey man, it ain't just banging out beats on Ableton. You gotta you gotta do your homework, you gotta figure out how to partner with these artists because right. royalties are very short. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's not, not a lot of royalties coming and not a lot of sales and not a lot of, you know, radio plays and things. Right. Yeah, so you have to you have to try to find ways to partner with them in other things like their shows and merch and and other things that are going on that are that are a part of whatever project you might be doing with them or whatever, you know, partnership you form with them. I think that's that's perfect. Right. Yeah, a lot of a lot of producers need to be put up on that because um, you know, so many of these guys are out here working hard and doing their part to break artists, but um when it comes down to just being involved with just a song per se, that's not as um, you know, lucrative or advantageous for that person, you know, in the future. So Well how, how would here's a good here's a good perspective. How to feel you you spent three years with an artist, right? Right. You do all the development. You create the sound, the music, the direction. You even help them get their dress code right. right. You do all that. And then some guy comes in to manage them, and they get 20%. And yeah. you're over there getting five-point override. You get 5% of royalties, right. which don't really mean shit. Right. So now you watch this manager get filtered rich off what you built. Right. They go out, they get tore money. They get, if the artist sneezes in a damn napkin, they get money. Right. If that napkin becomes worth something. <laughs> so at the end of the day, you got to look at it as a businessman. I'm putting all this time and energy into teaching and doing all that and then handing over 20% of, uh, of the pie to these managers who come in like, hey, everybody in the fourth quarter and they, they get the most out of it. Yeah. And I've watched that time and time again. And, you know, it's not easy being a manager. Don't get me wrong. That's a big job. Right. You are, you know, you're responsible for a lot. But as producers, you know, we should align ourselves with people that are good at management and have them working on our teams to help when we develop an artist. It's just the whole package. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I'm one of the few people that kind of, I look at the, the record business now as, um, as optimistic as I can. I think that this is a great time to be a part of the record business because what's what's happening is these types of situations are forcing, they're, they're going to force the business to have to change. I think that um, it used to be, uh, you know, of course, about a song and about a record or whatever. And, you know, the monies were divvied up about just the, 
the interest of a song but nowadays you know the the actual financial interest in a song has fallen so so low for people that now the record business is going to have to start developing like you said these partnership deals which make more sense uh you know for everybody involved because it is it's like most artists aren't just alone doing everything so there's normally a group of people helping them do it all so it is only fair i think at this point where uh you know producers are being added to the equation more so because like you said a manager's gonna get their money the road manager's gonna get their money the merch guy all these different people are going to be able to uh pinpoint being paid uh, you know at some point and then i think the record producer now has to be added to that equation i think i think the business is just headed that way yeah yeah that's the type of model that we're working on with rebel rock and just you know sharing with the people that are involved if there's a group of us working on a project we all share in ancillaries and that's the way to go man that's a fair business model yeah and uh yeah so that's that that was a long answer to a question hey <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff man like that's the whole point though that you know the whole thing is about giving free game man and we really appreciate you know uh the knowledge you have um so so what what you got going on now i know that uh you know you moved down to nashville which uh a lot of people don't know you had the playhouse down in uh florida which was a crazy right? place which i still have and i'm working on uh working on selling that to somebody i just Removed one of the consoles upstairs and sold that. I'm building a new place here in Nashville. Yeah. At my basement, I'm actually doing something in my home just for my own pre-production and post-production. Mm, I'm nice. over at Dark Horse in Franklin. Like I said earlier, I'm working with Marquise Rashad, who's a brilliant young writer out of out of Atlanta. Nice. Uh, we just signed him to Rebel Made, our company. Uh, he's he's accompanied by Steve McEwen today. Steve McEwen's a big country pop writer. Oh, yeah. He's worked with like Carrie Underwood and... Keith Urban and he's had some big number one. So I'm I'm putting like an R and B pop writer together with a country writer and we're gonna we're gonna work uh, together for the next couple of days. We're bringing this girl Ingrid in from Nashville and so I'll be with them for the next four days, just trying to get my feet wet out in Nashville yeah. and get used to to what it's like out here. Uh, you know, that's what's happening with the studio side. We've got an artist that we signed, Alice Fionn out of Australia, who's a country pop singer. She'll be coming out here shortly as soon as her visa straight. She'll be living in Nashville, so I'll be working with her too. Sweet. Uh, not really, you know, I'm not a country producer or writer, but I'd love to learn a bit about it and get more involved. Uh, I think some of the influences that we do are in that kind of music these days, so yeah, see know, what I can do. Yeah, well, you you know, you mentioned something uh, earlier about the, uh, you know, putting the songwriters together. You know, I had the... Uh, luxury of coming and working with you last year during during some of your writing camps which is something that um i totally enjoyed and i think uh you know a, a good question for you would be you know do you suggest that artists and producers do more collaborating like that to come to you know um to get to a better product or or at least to get like their rehearsal on get their practice on is that is that something you suggest or is that just like you know, a tool you like to use for yourself, you know, particularly? No, I think that's really, really crucial for everyone's career. So if you you came down and worked, you saw the difference in how you worked and I worked, and yeah. I saw the difference in how we both worked. Right. I learned from you, you learned from me. Right. Uh, we take little bits and pieces of things. We're creative people. So when you take a country songwriter who's used to writing 
you know, songs on guitar and you bring them in with somebody like Will Powell or Fanatic and Zach or Jim Johnson, they, it's kind of a different approach. Uh, and same with the songwriters from, from the R&B world or the, like pop and hip hop world. Uh, they're, they're all a little bit different. So when we get together and work, we learn from each other. And you saw, we had people from Russia, yeah, man. people from all over the country, <laughs> Sweden, from, from, from Tennessee, from, man, Utah. We yeah. had people from everywhere. Yeah, and I think it just shows and teaches us all different types of ways of approaching music. And you know how it gets. We get like, get that writer's block or whatever. And, right. and then you just think about, man, well, you know what, Will, you, he did something like this and it actually worked. Let me try that. Right. right you know, right. that's it. We borrow from each other, but that's what life is, isn't it? Yeah, Isn't absolutely. it what we learn in school? Sometimes I have this thing. I feel like sometimes as a producer or as a music man, I am sometimes the professor. Maybe I'm not. Today, maybe I wasn't the songwriter. Or the Maybe today I just helped you learn something and you took that somewhere. And then maybe tomorrow you're that professor who came in and showed me a little something. Right. Right. I think we need to be the professor sometimes and teach yeah, no those doubt. around us. Yeah, no, I, I, one thing for certain is, you know, when I came down, you know, to work with you guys, I, I learned a lot. One of the things that I thought was really dope was, like you said, that concept of like you kind of put a gumbo of people together. There were, uh, you know, there were songwriters, uh, singer songwriter style writers there. There were R&B writers. There were hip hop writers, uh, you know. Uh, you had super dupes, uh, myself, uh, different producers, just all kind of vibes and energy, and I thought that that was really dope. Um, and you know, I, you know, you may not know it, but for years, you know, um, when we started work, uh, working with Yellow Wolf, uh, one of the things that I picked up from you was the way you used to um, handle your sessions. And um, as a producer, I used to notice that you used to come in. You had you had a selected guitar player with you. You had uh, your own specific engineer who was there to help you, uh, you know, to uh, capture whatever ideas you were there to do. And, you know, you just moved in a way that just really inspired me. And I, I took that and I started to kind of do my own thing that way as well. So, you know, I, I think you should know, man, that whatever it is you're doing, it's been great and it's going to continue to be great. And you, you truly inspire people like myself, man. Oh man, thank you. And you do the same for me. You know, we all learn, like I said, from each other. I appreciate that. I, you know, today I'm out here. I have an assistant uh, engineer who is just helping out connect, and I've taken a kind of a new approach just for the next maybe six months. Right. Getting used to being an engineer again mm. and producing from that perspective, working through Ableton, cutting vocals, editing my vocals, doing all that, because I'm, I'm hearing that a lot of a lot of the producers here our engineer-based producers and you know I'm always great with the, using the musicians and all and so that's always involved but I'm trying a different approach trying to find unique sounds for myself and then uh, re reestablishing that producer-engineer uh, relationship too because some of the guys that I've been working with over the years have moved to LA and moved different places and right. I've got a new guy Nick uh, that's going to start working with me now and I'm teaching and training him, and you met Nick. Yeah, he was an yeah. intern there, <laughs> and now he's already he's already been engineering sessions with me. So That's you know awesome, how it goes. That's we train right. these guys to do what we like, and they do what they like, and we find that happy medium. That's really dope, man. I, and you know, hats off to you on that, man. I, I did meet Nick, and I, in fact, I met Nick when he was 
maybe a couple of weeks into being an intern with you and I just think that that's a testament of who Jim Johnson is and what you've done for people, man. Like you always reach out and and pull people in and, and make sure everybody's good, man. Um, I don't think. It's- hey, well, one more thing on that on that note. Something that maybe the listeners should should hone in on. You you know you you never know whether the intern right whether you know the person running your coffee whatever. You never know how badass those people are right until you put the test to them. You yeah. never know how great a Brad Tallman will be until you have him start playing that guitar That's right. and really vibing with you. You just don't know. And a lot of the times, we, we as producers are, you know, we start getting successful or whatever, and we overlook that because, man, I need the best of the best. And sometimes the best of the best are a pain in the ass to work with, <laughs> you know? And that's the fact. They're already setting their ways or whatever. Right. And they're, holding it, they're holding it down and they do their thing, but sometimes you got to reach out to the youth and see what they have because they're the future, Yeah, man. you know? I mean, I'm, I'm a 46-year-old songwriter, record producer, executive. I've done so many things, and and I'm in awe over what these young cats are doing like you and kids like, you know, Fanatic and Zach and all that. Like, shit, man. <laughs> they have me like, whoa. That's why I'm getting back into engineering and really, really getting into the programming so that I could, uh, so I could teach these fools who's the real deal, you know. That's right, man. <laughs> Let them know, bro. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's a, it's a light thing that you are an engineer. Uh, Do you self-teach yourself engineer did you go to school for engineering how did you um uh learn engineering did that play a role with yeah i started i self-taught myself i I had my own studio since i was shit like 20 years old i started putting little mixers and stuff in my room so i i learned how to mix and record and do all that all on my own but i learned not not by myself i learned behind people like ray say you know people like blue diaz people like that being around them watching them mix taught me a lot too so you know hats off to those guys yeah man uh dr dre listening to his music yeah mm-hmm. figuring out how to keep things simple you know right mm-hmm. well shoot jim man thank you thank you for this man this free yes. game has been Absolutely. amazing um you know this i've been wanting to do this for weeks man you know as soon as we started talking about doing this podcast you were one of the first people that i really wanted to talk to just because i've had i've gotten free game from you from just sitting around a table man drinking wine you know what i'm saying and and i know how priceless that information has been for me man and not only are you a great producer but you're a great friend of mine man and i i just appreciate the time that you've taken to you know to share this information with other people Oh yeah, my my pleasure, man. Say hello to your wife, Angie Fuss. Yep. My wife is dying to have some more wine with y'all. So <laughs> you gotta well, get your way, make your way over here. We got a nice guest room when the studio's done. Yeah, man. We'll work and hang out. Sounds like a plan to me, man. So we'll be in touch All real right. soon. Thanks, thanks, guys. I appreciate thank you. you. Yeah, thank you, man. Easy. Peace.